What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads podcast, hosted by none other than the two raddest dads on the East Coast. In studio tonight is Rob. Hello, Rob. Hello, Sal. How are you doing? Very well. We also have a guest on tonight, and that is Jake Holshue. That's Jake, right. welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have you. So a little bit about Jake. He's a rad dad of two foster kids. He is a level 11 spirit wizard of rogue ales and spirits. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh In Newport, Oregon, Jake has been in the distilling industry since 2012, distilling and consulting for distilleries, both nationally and internationally. Jake is serving. Are you still serving on your second term of the board? Second term. Yep. All right. Still second term on the board's. Board of Directors for the American Craft Spirits Association. He also chairs the Mentorship Committee. That's interesting. The Consumer Facing Committee and Mm co-chairs the Education Committee. So I think uh, Sal would like to be part of the uh, mentorship uh, group. Absolutely. So Jake, welcome to the show. Do we miss anything? No, I think that's, uh, you know, as Austin Powers put it, uh, that's me in a nutshell, right? So we know you have two kids, but what are their ages and, and, uh, boys, girls? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I adopted, uh, two girls from the foster care system, um, 12 years ago. Um, so 17 and 19 are their ages now. Uh, uh, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, how foster kids grow up and kind of get spit up and chewed out through the system. And I think uh, one thing I always like to talk about is uh, how hard it is on the foster parents um, and, you know, kind of our rocky road through through the foster system and on this side of adoption and, uh, you know, all the things that come with that. That's tremendous, man. Uh, My wife and I, we actually have three kids and we were were contemplating a fourth. But if, if we were going to have a fourth, it would have been, uh, through adoption. Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. So, so how has becoming, uh, a father changed your life and, and what have you learned? Well, I, a got married pretty young. Uh, I was 19 when I got married, uh, and subsequently we had kids pretty young. Uh, you know, if, if you did the math, technically it would have made sense, right? Like they looked, they had big, you know, black rimmed glasses like us, they never not look like our kids. Right. And, um, but they, you know, they taught me a lot about patience. They taught me a lot about perspective and, you know, sometimes I say like, I've slowed down my thought, my thinking process, but kids are always like a, a million miles an hour. And you're trying to like download this data in real time and like spit out, an answer that sounds wise, uh, you know, beyond your years. And like, you got it from some monk on, on top of a mountainside. And it just, <laughs> as it comes out, it's like, right. It doesn't like you're, you're trying to do it. So I, I think the one thing the kids have done is like slowed down, allowed me to process information a lot more quickly and come out with very simple to understand, uh, answers. Um, Patience is probably my my biggest learned virtue, not only as a distiller, but as a dad as well. Um, whiskey isn't made overnight. 
you know, we don't make whiskey for today. We make whiskey for years from now. Um, and you know, the kids have definitely taught me that as well. Um, both of our girls, um, came with the label of special needs, uh, according to the foster care system. So, uh, one of them is on the spectrum, uh, uh, you know, classically the autism spectrum. Um, and the other one has, and you know, it's, it's hilarious that you guys have this name, but generally speaking, the kids with this designation are called rad kids. Um, so RAD is an acronym that stands for reactive attachment disorder. Um, and unfortunately it plagues a ton of kids in foster care. Um, and essentially because of their detachment from loving relationships, they, um, kind of go out of their way to sabotage them because they are, you know, constantly trying to make sure that there's validity behind that loving relationship. So unfortunately that causes a lot of turmoil, uh, a lot of chaos. Um, I've met other dads, uh, that have, you know, rad kids. Um, and, uh, unfortunately it's a lot of heartbreak. Uh, it's a lot of there, you know, not all stories have a happy ending, unfortunately, when it comes to being a dad. And that's one of the realities of, you know, trying to, to be our most rad is, is trying to, you know, wheel and deal with any situation that comes our way. But, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of heartbreak with true rad kids. And unfortunately, my story is not too dissimilar with that. And that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast was to talk to other dads that have similar issues or have conversations with dads. So maybe somebody listening would say, oh, oh, shit, you know, I'm going through the same thing. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, man, men, men are wired differently. Men aren't wired to, to open up and share their feelings. Men are wired to, to keep it bottled in and, and, and don't say a word until, unfortunately, you know, it, it all builds up and one day you explode and it, it, it might be on your wife, it might be on your kid, it might be on a, a total stranger. Yep. But that, that's why we started this podcast. So guys can reach out or guys can, or dads can listen and say, holy shit, I, we, I'm going through the same thing. You know, it, it, I'm not the only one. There's, there's people like me. So Yep. It's, 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 that's tough. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, as, as I, as I always say, you know, uh, our, our eldest is going through a really hard time right now and, uh, she's kind of, you know, gone down the path of disowning us as, as caretakers and doing her own thing. Uh, you know, for better or worse, she is pregnant and expecting this fall. Uh, so I'm about to be a rad granddad. Um, but that being said, um, she's, she's walked herself out of, out of our life and, uh, you know, that hurts. And it was, I think the one thing that I felt, um, you know, to, to put it in words is, you know, there, there was some drama. She had to get, you know, felt like she had to get out of the house. She went through, um, a couple of youth homes, um, ended up, uh, unfortunately, uh, homeless at one point. Um, she's going through the hard times like journey. Right. And, uh, I, 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 I want to say that it felt like I ran a 10 year race with that girl and I fell right on my face right before the finish line. Uh, when she left, she was 17, um, and basically aged out of the youth home system. Um, despite, you know, years of care and going on trips and teaching everything. Right. Um, so 
I want to say that, you know, unfortunately being a dad, there, there, there aren't always happy stories. Uh, but the good news is that her younger sister is uh, crushing it as a single child right now. Um, she is uh, applying uh, to her first colleges this, this year, a uh, couple of which are Ivy League or adjacent to that level. Um, and as I tell my wife, you know, they let people in the Baseball Hall of Fame with sub 500 numbers, right? Um, and, you know, if we can bat 500 with being parents, um, you know, that's, that's Hall of Fame numbers. So um, trying to find that, that perspective is uh, really important. A lot of our questions are repeated for, for various dads that come yep. on the show because we feel like it keeps a consistency mm -hmm. with the dads and, and the learnings and people who listen. Like, we'll hear different stories. But I think this question for me hits home a little bit more for you. Yep. Um, and, I, and I'm really intrigued on, on what, your, your, what your answer is going to be. But heard it already in the first couple of minutes we were discussing. But what challenges have you faced raising your kids? And kind of how, what would you change? You know, if you if you had to do it again, is there anything you would change to make it better for your older, or did you, to your point, did you give everything you had? I I have always lived my life with no regrets. Right, uh, we live and love intensely. We, um, you know, uh, we we've, I have made a lot of sacrifices and certainly my family has as well to support my career in distilling, um, all that beautiful nutshell of a career, uh, Jake, this is your life that you did at the beginning of the show. Um, those were paid and sacrificed for, you know, well, I'd like to say myself and I work hard at that. My family sacrificed a lot. Um, we've moved across this country so many miles in so many different ways. And, uh, I, I certainly wish I could have provided more of a um, one location for my kids to grow up. But at the same time, I think that um, moving them because we, you know, we started in Montana, which is where we adopted them through the foster care system, Montana. Uh, go Bobcats. Um, and then we moved to uh, a little sleepy town on the East Coast called Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so Podunk, Montana to Baltimore, and then we went to Newport for my first stint at Rogue, and then I left Rogue but back in 2018, uh, went down to California, heard there was gold down there, so did the two years stint down in California, and then we came back to the Oregon coast because it was, for me and my family and the girls especially, like, this is the only place that really felt home other than Montana, and I, lo I love Montana and we could certainly talk Montana forever, but um, yeah, I think, I think anything that I ever start to frame in a regret or I could have done differently, I, I think I honestly did the best I could with, you know, what little training we all have. Like there's no fucking book that comes with, okay, here's a kid, here's the book, read the book, do the thing, right? That doesn't exist. And if there is, God, wouldn't that be so much simpler, especially as a guy? Like, just give me the list. I'll do the list. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I honestly believe that we gave the girls the best upbringing we could. Um, and uh, 
I, I, I do still have hope for the eldest, but you know, hope for both. Like you do the best you can, you stick a bow on them, you send them out the door and you say, you know, anybody who, uh, you know, interacts with these young humans is going to have to put up with my sarcasm, uh, and, and my wife's wit, you know, and God bless anybody who puts up with it, um, and spread it. So I, I don't, I don't have regrets, man. So, so for that adventure, coming back to rogues, all you got was level 11. Yeah. So I, uh, you couldn't pull a level 20. Well, you know, so, uh, you know, in the D and D realm, which is so what I guess think. what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know how many of our listeners will, but go yeah. Ahead. So for the super geeky dads out there, um, I at rogue, at a very particular point in time when I started, we were either the most reverent or completely irreverent to job titles because it never quite like sums up what you do for a company, right? Like head distiller is technically what I do, but I'm also a janitor. I clean toilets and put toilet paper on rolls and clean up messes. I, I, I am a cook. I am a uh, warehouser. I'm a head blender. I'm a raw materials purchaser slash buyer, right? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter like what you call yourself or it does. Um, so I started at rogue as a level 10 spirits wizard. Now in the D and D realm, like level 10 still is nothing to be trifled with. We're talking spells that can absolutely change like planar material, like how we exist on this plane as we know it. But like level 20 is kind of where it tops out, right? Like that is, uh, you know, demigod kind of, you know, changing the, the fabric and weave of multi-planar existences. Um, and like, so between when I started at Rogue and when I retired at Rogue, that's how I get from 10 to 20, I guess, in my mind. And I'll just you know, give myself levels because no one tells me what to do. I do what I want. So, I mean, you basically do what's got to get done. You, you, you do what you do to get things done and make it to the next day. Absolutely. But uh, going back to, to what you were saying about your daughters, I, I know and I feel that your, your, your eldest, deep down inside, I think she still knows that you guys love her. And I think she knows that you guys have done everything you can. And, and you guys just continue to support her and love her. And, and that's, that's tremendous. It's just, uh, you don't, you don't get to do it on your terms, right? You, you basically resign the fact that, you know, whatever relationship you have with a child that's, that goes AWOL in this way, um, you know, they'll figure it out. And, you know, I told her pretty kind of midway through, uh, her transition, if you will, uh, that I believed that the reason she was as successful at it as she was, was because of her mom and I, right? Like we gave her some very important tools and skills. You know, we always call it the tool belt, uh, with mental illness. Um, and those tools and skills change over time, depending on how mental illness pops up. But, um, we gave her a certain set of skills, much like Liam Neeson, uh, you know, that she has in her tool belt. And, you know, that's, that's why she was successful. I doubt she would give us that credit, but you know, someday, uh, we're all going to be laughing about all of this and, you know, yeah, absolutely. We are now, so. absolutely. And, and, and the, the, the main thing is you have no regrets, which yeah. is, and, and you're, you're straight. 
and your youngest is crushing it. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So one of the challenges and, and obviously moving back and forth across the country mm-hmm. and prioritizing your, your work definitely weighs into a work-life balance. Have you been able to effectively balance your time between work and, and family life? Uh, so I will, I, I love, I love this question because I do not believe in work-life balance and I don't think you guys should either. Balance implies equality, implying that you spend equal time between work and home. And we both know that's bullshit, right? You spend more work time at work, right? Like we all spend more time at work. Our usable day is spent 80% at work. And then we have a couple hours at the end of the day to like cram some home life shit in. And then we have weekends, but we're so flipping tired from doing the 80% waking hours that are, so no, like balance, balance, balance implies equality. And I don't think it could ever be equal, but I I've ever heard to that question. I do believe, I do believe in work-life harmony because they should be harmonious. They should both feed you uh, in different ways, intellectually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like our, our work feeds us in those ways. Uh, if only we are open to, to understand how it affects us. Um, and so I have personally not been super successful at work-life harmony. Uh, I think it's an ebb and flow thing. I don't think it's you either succeed or you don't succeed. I think there are weeks when we get it and we crush it and we do good work at work and at home and everything seems to jive. And then there are the other 51 weeks a year in which we prioritize one or the other and fail at the other and feel bad and guilty and all those silly feelings that dudes feel because we're humans apparently. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, work-life harmony is what I, what I preach. Uh, it is a practice as well. And it's something you can do intellectually by reviewing every week. What did I crush? What did I fail at? Um, yeah, that's my answer to work. So I, I think one of the key ingredients to, to either work-life balance or work-life harmony is whatever you're doing at that moment is, is you need to turn off where you just left or where you were just at and be present. So you you need to be present in the moment of what you're doing, whether it's work, you'd be present at work and you, and you forget about home life. If you're home, you know, you forget about work and, 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 you know, think about home life. Our father, I think, I think it was our father's day episode. I read a statistic on the amount of time that, um, dads or parents spend with their children on average mm-hmm. daily. And Whatever the answer is, I bet it sucks. It, it's it's, it's <laughs> crazy. Like, I don't even know, need to know the statistic. It sucks, right? Like, so you have men, to maximize that time. So men, 85 minutes a day. And women, yeah. I think 120 minutes a day yep. with the kids. It's, 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 it's insane. It's nuts. Another statistics statistic. By the time our kids are 12 years old, we have already spent 75% of our time with them. So yeah, it, it is, it is crazy. 
And it never would be enough, right? Like, even if you won the, you know, whatever dream you have, right? Like winning the lottery, whatever, like you'll find something else. Uh, it's never enough. Millionaires still don't spend enough time with their kids, right? It's not just as poor working schlubs, right? It's It affects everybody. Um, well, sure. I mean, you know, it's it's either you sacrifice your, your time with your family and you become that CEO. And then by the time you're making all that money where you, you think, okay, I'm making enough money for my kids and they're going to be satisfied. By the time you realize that your kids are, you know, possibly graduating college and you've missed all that time. So now when that CEO is ready to spend time with his kids, yep. you know, that money you gave them to buy them their, their new bags or new shoes your new car, that, that ain't going to mean much, man. But yeah, that, that is, that is a number one challenge. So at, gr- growing up, we always, we, we've always had uh, uh, family traditions. Mm-hmm. What family traditions have you done with your family and, and hope that your, your kids carry on to their families? Um, I love this story about my dad. Uh, you know, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. Uh, and so we do the weekends with dad when we still lived in this greater Seattle area. But then we do like the every summer and every other holiday shared thing. And my dad used to make, he used to call it egg something. It was like leftover something, you know, like taco meat if you had it or just like whatever, whatever fell out of the fridge, you would throw eggs on it, throw some cheese on it, throw between a couple slices of toast and forget about it, man. You're good to go. And my favorite thing is one time he forgot the eggs. So we just had something. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I carried that on like Saturday breakfast with dad. Like, you know, that's, I, uh, I've, I, I have a love of food. Um, and that's the one thing like I tried to pass down to both my kids. Uh, my eldest and I would always be in the kitchen cooking up something. Um, and, uh, you know, spam and eggs on Saturday is kind of uh, dad's dad's uh, dad's treat. Um, but flapjacks on the on the cast iron, or we'll always feed ourselves, right? And food food traditions are probably pretty pretty important to me. Um, it's how we tell the story, you know, of our people, right? Um, I make a killer borscht that was my great grandmother's recipe, right? Like these are food traditions. Uh, my grandfather, uh, you know, an uh, ex-World War II railroad worker, would always bring us, like, fresh crab and seafood when uh, he'd, he'd go up to, like, Anacortes, which is, like, north of the Seattle area, and, like, bring back fresh crab to us in Montana, us poor landlocked folk. Um, he'd bring this beautiful seafood. So, you know, when we moved to the Oregon coast, you know, going fishing, going crabbing and clamming with the girls. Um, you know, they had, they knew how to pick up a crab pretty early um, without getting pinched. So, you know, food traditions, that kind of, um, you know, I don't think I could ever consider myself a hunter nor a gatherer uh, in the strictest of definitions. But, you know, growing up in Montana, you know, we'd go hunting, right? We'd put literal meat on the table. Um, and, you know, here on the Oregon coast, well, there, there are some hunting opportunities and, you know, I don't know if I'm just getting old or tired, but I don't want to hike a mountain to kill something anymore. 
it's in, if it's in my front yard, like it's dead, but like <laughs> I'm really tired. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, just trying to carry on those traditions, I think are, are important from me and my side. So, so work smarter, not harder, right? Instead oh, yeah. of climbing the mountains and killing something, just right out your front door. Right out the front door. And I'm, I'm actually kind of back in the hills a little bit here in Newport. So Newport literally sits on the water. So Pacific Ocean right there, Yaquina Bay uh, feeds you or from the Yaquina River. Um, I'm south of here in like unincorporated South Beach. So I'm kind of butting up against the National Forest. Uh, we have about three acres out there. Um, and there are elk and bear and deer and all kinds of stuff. Like I said, if it's in my front yard, it's gone. But I am not hiking any more hills or any more mountains to go kill another animal. Rad Dad's rapid fire round. Yep. All right. So favorite book. Uh, favorite book. Um, uh, um, gosh, there's uh, one I go to a lot is the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Wow. I thought you were going to come up with some like dorky D&D book or... I mean, I spend a lot of time in those too. I, I generally don't learn many life lessons uh, inherently from D&D source books, but, um, you know, adventures do teach us things about humanity and, you know, those kinds of things. But uh, life lessons, one I always go to. Favorite food? Do you want a specific cuisine or do you want a dish? Oh, I'll take both. One of my favorite foods right now, uh, and I'm going to, you know, because I'm I'm not bilingual. I'm barely monolingual at times. Um, uh, Beerus tacos, the ones you dunk that are, like, grilled, those are, like, legit. Um, and I love those every time I had them. Uh, Cuisine-wise, uh, Japanese cuisine uh, intrigues me all the time. Sushi's. Yeah. What was the next question? Let's go. Uh, favorite sports team. Ooh. Uh, so in Montana, there are no sports teams other than college, which it's Bobcats over Grizzlies. All the Montana folks listening, it's FTG, and you know what that means. Um, but favorite sports team, because Montana doesn't have any professional sports, you got, you know, all a cart. Um, so when I was a kid, I – didn't want to be a Seahawks fan or a Broncos fan or a Minnesota fan because everybody was a fan of those. Like I wanted, I wanted something different. And like all of my life, I have always appreciated the underdog. And at the time, my team was the original 0-12 team of the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, our fortunes have changed over the, the years, and I'm very okay with that. Um, but uh, yeah, Buccaneers. Nice. Favorite dad moment. Favorite dad moment. Uh, I do remember this one time we were at a restaurant uh, and I think the girls were pretty young and I remember giving them the old finger guns and I went pew pew and my youngest turns at me with like these wide eyes and she's like, dad, you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just cold-blooded. <laughs> Favorite vacation spot? 
I, I don't know how to answer this because we talked about how ineffectual and how poorly I generally do work-life balance. But one place I would love to go um, is uh, I would love to go to Northern France um, to make a particular product called Calvados. Um, and Calvados is uh, apple brandy um, of the Normandy region. Uh, they've been making it there for several hundred years. And I would like to find every family that's been distilling it for like several hundred years and go into their cellars and be drunk for months. Like that's, that sounds like a brilliant fucking vacation. I, mean, I thought you were going to say and get their recipes and learn it. You're like, no, just, just drink it. Just go be a lush, just eat cheese, the stinkiest cheese, apple brandy. Um, Sounds like a wonderful vacation to me. Oh, my God. All right. Best dad joke. So best dad joke. Um, I, I've i been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Um, I think one of my favorites is why was the color green notoriously single? Why? Uh, it was always so jaded. Well played, well played. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, before we wrap up the episode, can you just tell us a little bit about Rogue, what products they make, and you know what's your favorite product? So Rogue, uh, for all the beer nerds out there, this is the Rogue, Rogue Ales and Spirits, class of 1988. Um, so our former brewmaster, John Meyer, had been in the brew house for 30 plus years finally enjoying his retirement his number two was taken over so we have world-class ales and lagers uh all of the beer goes into all 50 states there is not a state uh including puerto rico and other territories that we guam uh that we don't have our beer uh we also have cbd products as well so we have a line of cbd seltzers that keeps us well hydrated and so uninflamed uh, and, uh, where I come in is I'm on the spirit side. So, uh, we do have, um, whiskey. Uh, I make a lot of whiskey day to day. So we make dead guy whiskey, um, dead guy being our brand flagship brand over on the beer side, dead guy ale, which is actually a Maybach in style, uh, Maybach inspired ale, if you will. Um, but we took that and distilled it into a whiskey. Um, and now uh, we are relaunching Dead Guy Whiskey into a new platform of really a family of products on the spirit side. So we have Dead Guy Whiskey, Dead Guy Stout Cask Finish, Dead Guy Wine Cask Finish. And for those cool kids on the West Coast, you might even see a Dead Guy finished in Pedro Jimenez Sherry Casks. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for all of that. Uh, but Rogue is a, uh, you know, family, uh, a beverage family of sorts. So there's something uh, really for everybody here. Uh, for the kids out there, we also have a Rogue Root Beer and a Rogue uh, Cucumber Citrus Soda, uh, which on a nice hot day is refreshing AF, uh, as the kids are saying. So, yeah, we, we have a little bit of everything. And honestly, uh, I will tell you that we've even looked into the THC beverage business as well as a potential avenue for revenue. Uh, and, you know, stay tuned for that over the next several years to see uh, if we actually do it. Who knows? Is there a particular whiskey you prefer? 
a rogue product or outside of rogue? Because I got opinions about whiskey. Um, I would like your general opinion, but typically, yeah. you know. So Rogue makes American single malts. Um, so we are basically the, you know, making Scottish style malt whiskey here in the United States. Um, Dead Guy is really unique and we have a lot of different finishing projects that we do. Um, one of my favorites was actually a collaboration with a Texas distillery. Uh, I was down there a few years ago and found that they had all these pecan trees in Texas, which... I'm not overly familiar with Texas, so forgive my ignorance, all you beautiful Texan folks. Um, but we uh, begged the question, could we actually build a barrel out of um, pecan trees? And so actually got on the horn with the Texas Pecan Growers Association, an organization I totally knew existed before that phone call, and uh, found out they do have trees large enough for us to cooper um barrels out of them. So we actually made, we have our own cooperage here in house. Uh, so we made a couple of pecan barrels from Texas pecan. So that one's coming out here this next year. And I'm pretty excited about that just because it's so different um, than anything else we've really done uh, in the world of whiskeys. Um, you know, someone once told me this about beer and I think it's the same for whiskey as well. Not every beer is for everybody, but there is a beer for everybody. There is something out there that you will like um, I love all whiskeys. Uh, I haven't met, uh, a th there's a quote. It's like, there's no such thing as a bad whiskey, just some that are slightly better than others, I guess. Um, so I think in the single, like one that I go to, I'm single malt a lot is Talisker, Talisker Storm, uh, in the Scotch realm. Uh, I also like Lagavulin, like Nick Offerman. Um, it, they make beautiful Scotch. Uh, here in the United States, one that continuously uh, uh, gets me right in the flavor profile is anything out of Cascade Hollow, a.k.a. George Dickel. Um, Paul and I's good friend, uh, uh, Nicole Austin, is absolutely crushing it down there. She is, um, you know, her Bottled and Bond came out 2019, won Best Whiskey of the Year, first year out, so... Uh, I always look forward to their new releases. Um, rye is a thing I like and have made a lot of and, and drank a lot of. Uh, one one that I'm liking right now is actually from a former company I worked at, uh, the Baltimore Spirits Company, uh, making Maryland-style rye in Maryland. Who knew um, that that was a thing? Um, but their epic um, rye is absolutely phenomenal. Their standard release um, pot stilled rye. It really changes the flavor profile. Um, I like everything. We could talk for hours. That that's uh, that's a whole lot of uh, whiskey and uh, and and beer. Mm -hmm. So one last question that we always ask all the dads: If you can impart words of wisdom to other dads, what would it be? Um, words of wisdom. Um, take your time. Slow down. You know, we're, this society we're in commands going faster all the time. Go fast, do fast, go fast, love fast, you know, learn fast, work fast, sleep fast, go fast, right? Um, and like when I look back upon all the dad moments and the, the shiny parts of my memory, right? There's dull parts and sad parts and dark parts, but like the shiny 
beautiful things uh, of, of being a dad. The ones that stand out the most are when like I take a deep breath and like, I fully realize what's going on. Like a backyard barbecue, the sprinklers going, kids are having great time. They're, in our house, you know, when a, a little girl gets too excited, we call them the squealy squeals, right? They, that high pitch just like gets you right there. You know, the happy noises, right? When, when you can literally see that sprinkler going in slow motion and the smell of meat and, you know, just the beautiful sun and how it felt. Um, if you can slow down and appreciate you know, the five senses around you, what does it smell like, you know, this moment in time of happiness, you know, what does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And, and if you can process all of these things, I think it makes us more in tune to those happier moments later in life when there's a lot of going on and, and kids will, will always, the, the moments they remember are not the moments you remember. And like, I, it's always fun to go back and be like, well, what do you remember about that trip? Well, we couldn't find anything at the gas station. So we went to another get like, it seems like such an inconsequential detail of that day, but kids will latch on to these really unique moments in that time. So if you could just slow down, appreciate the good times, know that there's going to be bad ones, but you know, keep, keep your chin up and just keep grinding, man. Um, that's my recommendation. That's so true, man. We we have been made to go fast. Go, go, I mean, do everything fast. Learn, sleep, work, uh, that you forget to slow down and enjoy the moment. Yep. But, uh, Jake, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. It was a pleasure meeting you. Uh, fantastic story. Um, and, and it's amazing. Uh, thanks for opening up. You know, keep 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 doing what you're doing, um, and like I said before, I, you know, I think deep down inside your oldest knows that you guys are doing what you what you have to do, and and you guys still love her. Yep. That's tremendous. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Jakes.